Real Presence Live. It's this really powerful sense of, okay, you're seen, you're known, you're missed if you're not here. Local. It's that good crop of corn or beans or wheat or whatever it is that you do that, you know, you grow it, you grow it to the Lord, and if it doesn't come about, you just have to be patient and say, well, there's always next year. Engaging. Evangelization is the fruit of the love of God being poured into the hearts of Jesus' friends. Live. This is our charism, to be witnesses of Jesus' real presence in the Eucharist. Praise be the Sacred Heart of Jesus and the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Welcome to another edition of Real Presence Live here on the Real Presence Radio Network. Father James Gross, pleased to join you, a a priest of the Diocese of Fargo, as we come to you from the uh, studios in the near Southside Historic District in beautiful downtown Grand Forks. I'm joined by my colleague, also from the Diocese of Fargo, Father Jason Leffer. Good morning, Padre. Good morning, Father Gross. We have a lot of wonderful things to talk about, but as we always should do, we will begin with prayer. So if I could call upon you, Father, to lead us. Let us invoke the name of the Lord, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. God, our Father in heaven, we praise you, we worship you, we adore you, we glorify you. May we be your great glory. Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit, Lord, and giver of life into our hearts, into our minds, into our imaginations, into our memories. Open our ears that we might hear the word, your Son, Jesus Christ, who is our Lord and Savior. May you transform us into your image and likeness. May we be one with you for all of eternity and never be separated from you. May your glory shine forth in this world today. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Our Lady, Queen of Heaven. Pray for us in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. As today we celebrate the memorial of the Queenship of the Blessed Virgin Mary on the octave day of the Assumption. So we'll have more to say about that beautiful celebration and lots of other topics. So before we go any farther, let's turn things over to Aaron down at Command Central for a preview of today's show. Thank you very much, Father. It's a pleasure to be here with you and Father Leffer. We've got Deacon Les Nor. Deacon Les Nori here to talk about his story of faith and celebrating 40 years of the permanent diaconate coming up here and inspired sharing your journey. Also, we've got Straight Talk coming up from 9.30 to 10 a.m. Central. Get those questions ready for the Padres. Then we'll also have Betsy Neepkins here to talk about the beauty of marriage prep with the inspiration from Mary. We've got the 10-minute tour of local events. Phil Stone and Emily Luke will be here from the St. Thomas More Catholic Newman Center to tell us from Mankato how things are going there. We'll also hear from Sister Rebecca Metzger and Betty Canavan about the good things at St. Anne's Guest Home. All this here on Real Presence Live. Right back to you guys. Thank you very much, Aaron. Thank you. And we'll begin with our Inspired Sharing Your Journey segment. Inspired Sharing Your Journey. You're listening to Real Presence Live. And today we have with us one of our wonderful permanent deacons from the Diocese of Fargo who serves Holy Family Parish in the south side of Grand Forks, Deacon Les Nori, in studio with us today. Good morning. Welcome to Real Presence Live. Good morning. It's wonderful to be here. Deacon, it's wonderful to have you here. Father Gross and I love having company in the studio. It's so much more fun when you're present. 
Well, we want to hear first a little bit about uh, about yourself, um, uh, a little bit about your background. Uh, what do you do for a living as a day job, and and uh, some all of those good things. Okay. Well, first of all, I certainly have a relationship with Mary, Queen of Heaven and Earth, and her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And Annette and I have been married 37 years. We have two wonderful sons and two beautiful grandchildren. Uh, my day job, I earn a living for my family and support of the church is through being a, a civil engineer. And I serve our bishop and my pastor and the people of God here at Holy Family in Grand Forks. And I gave it in that order because that really defines who a deacon is and what he does. It's first and foremost, of course, with all of us, a relationship with God. And then serving the people of God, starting at home and bringing the gospel everywhere he so, goes. If I'm listening to you correctly and hearing you, you're personally responsible for all the road construction right now? Not all the road construction, <laughs> but maybe a good portion of it, yes. Okay, so so you really are an important person here you know not not just in the religious sense but secular sense well i would i would answer that this way i have a wonderful staff who takes very good <laughs> care of me and takes very good care of all that needs to be done so you know i i, I say that jokingly but in a, i'm really quite sincere to draw people's attentions to the fact that our permanent deacons like they really are key people in the world and key people in the church as well it goes hand in hand together it does and that's really a, a good point to a permanent deacon and, and the permanent diaconate we have uh, day jobs as father said and and we have lots of experiences through our lives and family life that we can really bring to the church to help uh, serve parishes and outside of parishes so deacon Les, the, the, for our listeners out there so you didn't start off Catholic or thinking about being a Catholic deacon, where, where did you start spiritually and how did you find your way to where you are now? I was raised Lutheran, uh, and um, but married a wonderful Catholic woman and we started to have a family and decided that as I, as I phrase it, to make that call to unify our family and made that uh, call to start those dreaded classes because I, I uh, knew it was going to take a little while and I wanted it done quickly of course but through the very good wisdom of the church uh, uh, it doesn't happen that way you have to go through a period of formation and discernment how old were you when that conviction starts coming in like that hey as the husband the father the man i should unify us spiritually what when did that kick in for you uh, i was 32 okay. um, joined the church in 1991 Okay. Came into full communion with the church and Easter Vigil at nineteen ninety in nineteen ninety one. So, so you you mentioned there that your plan was to make this a quick, let's get it done. But in reality, what actually was your experience? Well, again, the, in the, the church that wants us and, and requires a, a period of formation and discernment to to become Catholic, and that's a wonderful uh, experience because, again. I started out with the with the idea of, of unifying my family, but really through that formation, it came to be that I wanted to yes unify my family, but also but rather just through me, actually through Jesus and through God, and, and having a more intimate relationship with with Him 
and that unifies the family. Isn't that so true about the the Christian journey, where we suddenly have this idea, I'm going to do something good for another, and the end result actually means inner transformation that God is doing something even beyond anything I imagined for myself, and not, but that wasn't the intention. Yeah, right, absolutely not. But it, I've seen it so many times that it ends up being the intention for many people that they they start the process and. and how long have you been a permanent deacon? Uh, since uh, 2014. Okay, and uh, tell us a little bit about the preparation that is involved, especially with the uh, time frame of the uh, uh, preparatory process and your wife's uh, the necessity of your wife's uh, contribution to that process as well. Uh, it it started out uh, being you know whispers uh, the call everywhere my wife and I went we were come in contact with deacons or deacon candidates and finally it was it was funny we both looked at each other one night over dinner and said hmm maybe we should explore this because it it just keeps coming up over and over again and and I and I uh, went to my pastor and talked to my pastor and he gave me some very good advice about applying and starting the process and, and continuing my discernment and the church's discernment and no matter what the outcome ordination or not I would be richly blessed by the by the process sure that would have been father Phil Ackerman at the time absolutely yes, yes. Mm-hmm. yeah and then uh, uh, going forward uh, made the application and uh, here in the Diocese of Fargo it, it's uh, it's a five-year process of, of weekends and Ten months out of the year, and, and it's—I used to say it was a lot of work, but as I look back at it, at it, it's really a lot of grace. Because without the grace of God and the, and the support of uh, a wife and family, mm-hmm. it, it really wouldn't have been possible. How, how has this whole thing affected Annette and your marital relationship? How how does that go hand in hand? All through the process, uh, um, Mary Deacon's wife has to give permission uh, twice in in her own hand in writing to continue the process to to the bishop uh, because again it, it's a it's a team sport. I've said really uh, the door the deacon or is ordained, but really it's a it's the deacon and his wife that are on that mission and it and it's really enriched out both enriched both of our lives. We are visiting with Deacon Les Norrie from Holy Family Parish here in Grand Forks on today's edition of Real Presence Live. And I just want to give an indication that later on in this hour, we will have a straight talk segment where we invite you to bring your questions to Father Leffer and me. 877-795-0122 will be the number to call for that segment as well. And so you mentioned it's a it's a team sport. How You know, it's uh, Father Gross and I, we went through formation and we didn't have... The assistance of a best friend or a spouse or somebody to either challenge us or encourage us or be in it together so so we're coming at holy orders you know we're both ordained in holy orders but you in a way you could say you have kind of a complementary um perspective on on what it means to serve the lord in ordained ministry because your wife is in it with you uh, absolutely um again with that it's wonderful and critical really I would say for for a married deacon to have that support of, of, of his wife and, and family with because as I went through the, the my introduction really we 
can't neglect our, our sacramental marriage to to do the sacrament of holy orders. The sacrament of marriage has to be first and healthy and whole in order to be a healthy and whole person in all the rest of our life. I understand that in your current parish uh, assignment, you have a hand in the RCIA process as people are inquiring about entering full communion in the Catholic faith. How does your own journey kind of inform and shape the way that you do that as these uh, adults are are entering into that themselves? True. The RCIA is is the process by which uh, adults and children uh, after the age of reason come into the full communion with the church or or converted through uh, baptism. And certainly, my experience, I think a lot of a lot of people that I come in contact with that want to join the church can relate to um, about how that changes a person and, and, and how the interaction of family, sometimes positively, sometimes negatively, can have an, be part of that discernment and, and uh, decision process. What, what um, so Deacon Les, what, what is your, what would you say your relationship with the Holy Spirit is like? What, what does the Holy Spirit have to do, you know, from the beginning, even as a young man, marriage, discovering this call to the Lord, becoming Catholic, getting ordained a deacon, where, where do you recognize the Holy Spirit through this whole process? What does he have to do with this whole thing? Uh, I would s- much, obviously. Uh, I, looking back on things, you know, I had a oh, maybe a challenging childhood and maybe uh, by my own choice, maybe not so uh, not so, so stellar a uh, young man Hood, uh, but still looking back along that, seeing the Holy Spirit, how He was still guiding me to you know to my wife and to the to the church and all of that, and and really looking back on it, um, he, the Holy Spirit really did draw straight lines with my crooked path, and and take me where I needed to be. Now, Father Gross and I, we are <clears throat> we are under. You know, we've made certain promises and things as ordained. One of those is to pray the office, which which means the you know, uh, for sure five times a day we step aside to pray the psalms, and we're committed to that on behalf of the people for our own soul and salvation and for the people. Could you tell us as a permanent deacon what what um, commitment to prayer do, does the permanent deacon have, and how does that affect not only your ministry but your your marriage as well and family? What is that like for you? Permanent deacon is required to pray what's called the hinge pin of the of the uh, liturgy of the hours, so morning and evening prayer. And uh, often my wife and I pray morning prayer separately, but we very much try to pray evening prayer together. So that it's it, again, just as you're saying, Father, it's we're praying for ourselves and and for uh, other souls, but also each other within our marriage. Do, do you recognize that sacrifice of prayer as going beyond you and affecting the community around you? Maybe your daily work as the engineer and all those people muttering about road construction, <laughs> but also the needs of the church? I mean, can you can, can you recognize that in your in your life and in your ministry? Absolutely. Um, there's so many instances where uh, you know, praying before or during things that are occurring at at home or work or wherever I'm at 
and just allowing the to be moved by the Spirit to hopefully go in the direction that He wants me to go and touch the people's lives that He wants me to touch. And, and again, that's all the all part of of, of a of a deacon's role, not just mine, but. Mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking more about uh, the permanent deacon, uh, permanent diaconate, excuse me, as a whole, as we are preparing for a celebration in the Diocese of Fargo of the 40th anniversary of the restoration of the permanent diaconate. And we're going to need to step aside for just a couple of minutes, but we are bringing Deacon Les back after the break to conclude this interview. Also, if you have a question about the Catholic faith or anything about the world around us, call in during the Straight Talk uh, segment, or you can leave your questions on uh, the Facebook page. Later, how has our mother Mary been instrumental of the li- in the lives of mothers? Betsy Neatkins of the Diocese of Duluth will share more about that and many other great conversations to come. Father Jason Leffer and Father James Gross are here with you today. You're tuned in to Real Presence Live. We'll be right back. Stay with us. There's more Real Presence Live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network. The only things hotter than the summer heat are the rates to run radio spots on the RPR network. That's not all. The signal of Real Presence Radio reaches an audience of over 2.1 million people across North Dakota, Minnesota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, and Wyoming. Hi, this is Brett Byler, Area Account Executive with Real Presence Radio, and I want to help you grow your business in front of a very faithful customer base. Don't wait. Call me, Brett Byler, at 605-670-8333. Built Upon a Rockfest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rockfest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rockfest on September 14th. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Event Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. This is Real Presence Live, where the devil is dumb, Christ is king, and the Catholic faith is taking the place of secular living as the lifestyle of choice. Inspired. Sharing your journey. Welcome back to Real Presence Live. As we continue our conversation with Deacon Les Nori, we're going to be talking about the 40th anniversary celebration of the permanent diaconate in the Diocese of Fargo. That reminds me that one of those inaugural deacons, Deacon Sam Papino, is celebrating his 40th anniversary uh, with us at St. Mary's here in Grand Forks on the Sunday after Labor Day. So we will have Bishop Folda here uh, for that celebration for him and his family and our parish community. But we're looking at a wider uh, observance of the permanent diaconate, and we'll speak a little bit about what the identity of that ministry is. But Deacon Les, if you could just take us through some of the details of what we have cooking in the Diocese of Fargo to mark this occasion. 
Well, Bishop Foley will be celebrating a Mass to celebrate the permanent diaconate's 40th year anniversary in the diocese uh, at 10 a.m. Saturday, September 14th. And a reception and a meal will be downstairs of the cathedral after the event, and it's open to the public. So please come and help us celebrate 40 years of the permanent diaconate within the diocese of Fargo. I'm, I'm kind of, it just struck me as the thing about Deacon Sam, because yeah. he and I served together the Newman Center for a number of years. And um, is there a brotherhood amongst you deacons? And I th- when I say that brotherhood, that means also like your wives as well. And, or what's, what, what is that permanent deacon community like when you get together for your uh, formation and so forth? What, what's that like? We have continuing formation where we get together uh, every quarter, uh, and it's it's really beautiful event. We even we have silent retreats together, and that's very painful as as you. <laughs> but the you silence, know, not the prayer. Right? Know, Just to clarify. <laughs> you know, it's it's painful. It, it's painful in the event that getting together with our brother deacons and and their wives and, and you want to chew the fat. We, yes, we do. And it, it's that it's it's maybe a better word would be challenging. The, the silence is beautiful, but it's challenging to be silent. Yeah, yeah. What is there? Um, we're speaking about Deacon Sam, that original class. For are there permanent deacons who have been an inspiration to you along the journey that called you in, or that you'd hold as an example for, you know, why why you felt the calling? Absolutely, uh, that was part of part of those whispers about running into uh, permanent deacons at banquets and and uh, training we were taking that we had no idea that there would be deacons there or, or deacon candidates and 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 the addition and the fellowship of the uh, deacon candidates of the of the ordination classes before me and yes it was very much inspiring and my journey is there have a lot of responsibility it, it, if if there's a, somebody listening right now a, a man or a married couple right now who are hearing this and feeling kind of the holy spirit tapping them what do you have any words of encouragement or advice or kind of a first step that they might take to start this journey or process i would echo father ackerman's advice uh, if you're hearing those whispers and have any inkling that it, that you might be calling to the diaconate by all means, apply, uh, start the discernment process and the formation process of, of both you and your spouse and, and the church. And no matter the outcome, ordination or not, you will, your lives will be greatly enriched by the process. With uh, both one's par- parish pastor and the vocation director of your respective diocese, that would be a great way to go, too. Uh, sadly, we've come to the end of our time with you here today, Deacon, but thank you so much for sharing a few minutes with us and uh, sharing your story about your call to the permanent diaconate. Blessings to you in the future. Thank you very much, and bless you all. Thank you very much, Deacon. We'll be right back after this break with our Prayerfully Yours segment on Real Presence Live. Live, engaging, and local, this is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network. 
Built Upon a Rock Fest has partnered with Rugged Rosaries for another giveaway. Nine rosaries will be given away, one each week, leading up to the concert on September 14th. These rosaries are beautiful and extremely rugged. The quality is unmatched. For a chance to win, simply like Built Upon a Rock Fest posts on Facebook and Instagram. Each like gets you a chance to win. Full giveaway details can be found at builtuponarockfest.com. Good luck, and don't forget to mark your calendars for Built Upon a Rock Fest on September 14th. Are you thirsting for God's love, His mercy, His forgiveness? You'll find that and so much more at the Thirst 2019 Eucharistic Conference at the Bismarck Events Center, Friday, October 25th through Sunday the 27th. Guest speakers include Dr. Edward Sree, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, Curtis Martin, and Kendra Tierney. Daily Mass, Adoration, and Confessions are available during the conference. Register now online at bismarckdiocese.com slash thirst2019 and download the Thirst app. You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area. Heard right here on the RPR Network. Thanks for being with us in Real Presence Live. This is Father Jason Leffer and Father Jim Gross. We are now entering into our Prayerfully Yours segment. Almost every day, uh, we at Real Presence receive prayer requests asking for prayers for those closest to us. We, we definitely hold these needs in our hearts and our minds. And so we, we want to take an active way of responding to these prayer needs and prayer requests. So we're going to share a few of these prayers right now. We invite all of you, wherever you might be as you're listening, um, if you're able to, from, from your heart and your mind, your imagination, join us now in, in this time of prayer as we invoke our Heavenly Father, the Holy Spirit, the Lord Jesus, the communion of saints, um, to respond to these needs. So today, uh, Father Gross, we want to start off by um, turning our attention. Um, so a, a member of our, our listening audience has written in. Uh, uh, her name is Fran. And her husband has passed away recently here. And so everything involved with the passing of a loved one, especially one's spouse, um, what comes to my mind here is kind of the, the unfairness of the sacrament of marriage where um, the one you love is taken before um, you are ready. And so we invoke now, Heavenly Father, come to us in our need. We lift up to you our beloved sister Fran and that separation of death from her spouse Heavenly Father, we pray for the repose of the soul of Fran's husband. We ask that you would receive him into the fullness of your eternal glory. And now, Heavenly Father, send your Holy Spirit, Lord and giver of life, upon your beloved daughter, Fran. Send that Holy Spirit into her heart, into her mind, her imagination, all of her emotions, her memories. Holy Spirit, be a comfort to her. Be the consoling guest. Um, when she is sad, uh, be joy for her. Um, in her need, be a constant companion. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. We also have a prayer request now that a couple will be able to have children. And Heavenly Father, we recognize that you are the author of love, the author of life. And we praise and thank you for the ability to be co-creators with you. 
We pray for couples who are struggling with uh, issues of fertility, uh, that in their hearts, as they long to be open to the transmission of human life, that uh, their prayers may be granted and that they may be able to receive uh, children as a gift from your hand. And we ask this as all things through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. And as we continue on, uh, we call to mind, Heavenly Father, all of those who are in need of um, meaningful employment, proper housing, protection, safety. I think of, of immigrants and all of those who are in danger this day. Uh, in particular, uh, we pray for uh, a woman and her husband who are moving and they are in need to sell their house in a timely fashion in order for this to happen. I, I call to mind St. Joseph, who, who provided for the woman and the child perfectly in the Blessed Virgin Mary and the Son of God, Jesus. We ask upon your powerful intercession, St. Joseph, for this couple and all those who are in need of selling a house, proper housing at this time. Remember, O oh good St. Joseph, terror of all demons, that never was it known, that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we fly unto thee, O foster father of the word incarnate, despised in our petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer us. Amen. Amen. And we also have a request to pray for an end to sex trafficking and abortion in our country and the whole world. We ask, uh, Holy Spirit, that you will inflame our hearts and stir up uh, the fire of your gifts within our hearts to recognize and defend the dignity of every human person, who, all of whom are created in God's image and likeness, and that we may be advocates for this supreme gift of uh, this supreme gift of your creation. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Amen. And th Thank you for taking the time to pray with us for these RPR family members and their needs. If you have a specific intention you'd like prayed for, please visit our website, yourcatholicradiostation.com, and submit it under prayer requests at the top of the page. You can also submit an intention on our app. Simply click on prayer requests on the main screen. We're going to take a 60-second break and be right back with you for our Straight Talk segment. Your hosts, Father James Gross and Father Jason Leffer, are with you today on Real Presence Live. If you're having a difficult day or need some support, log on to yourcatholicradiostation.com and click on Prayer Requests. From here, we invite you to send us your prayer needs so we can pray specifically for those intentions. And if you have time, scroll down on the homepage to personally pray for the needs of other members of the RPR family. Visit yourcatholicradiostation.com and click on Prayer Requests. You can also send intentions to us from the main screen of our app. We're blessed to be able to join you in prayer. Choose the number one nursing program in the nation at the University of Mary. The University of Mary is ranked number one out of more than 2,000 nursing programs nationwide. 100% of our graduates pass their certification on the first try. And University of Mary scholarships give you your senior year free. Choose the best nursing program in the nation, University of Mary. Check us out at umary.edu slash nurses. You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. 
And you know what that sound means. It is time to get on the horn and ask us your questions about matters of faith or anything else in particular that you're curious about today in our Straight Talk segment here on Real Presence Live. We'll give you the toll-free number, 877-795-0122. We really enjoy talking to you because after a while, even we get tired of hearing of our own voices, right, Father? Father Gross, is it possible that we'd ever get tired of our stimulating conversation that you and I have with one another? I, I, I can't imagine we'd ever run out of a topic if, if a dash of salt is good a couple of <laughs> dashes are better right so we can add to it but you're absolutely right we we love nothing better than than to hear from you and have real conversations with, with you and what's in your heart your mind so um if you have a moment right now 877-795-0122 uh, please please call and we'd love to hear from you at this time very good. So we have a number of different topics that we're going to want to be launching into today, um, in addition to hearing from you and the questions that you have. So we hope to be able to receive those on Facebook as well as uh, on the phone. And it looks like Father Leffer is chomping at the bit to well, begin. I want to, you know, we I actually have uh, text messages coming in already, but I want to break, because I, Father Gross, this is an extremely important topic and we really need to discuss this. I okay. The Lion King. Yes, indeed. <laughs> You're a Lion King expert, and they got the remake <laughs> out there. And I wanted to get your opinion on this, because this, this is very important, the formation of you as a seminarian and a priest of God. <laughs> so we, we really need to talk about the in-depth oh, here. Aren't my professors edified to hear that that's what uh, informed me? Yes. 25 years ago, the animated feature, of the Disney feature, The Lion King, came out. And this summer, there was a um, live-action remake of the motion picture that was released a little over a month ago in, in mid-July and uh, earlier this summer on an episode of Real Presence Live we were talking a little bit about this and um, kind of wondering how Disney is going about these live action remakes so I would say for the most part having seen this uh, live action remake of The Lion King um, I liked it and I liked how closely they stayed to certain parts of the story and um, in a sense these are spoilers but I think so many people know kind of the basics of the story. A couple of interesting things that they added. First of all, one thing I thought was interesting is that they rendered the villain, Scar, as um, not quite as cartoonish, but more of a, um, a hard scrabble sort of character. Uh, there wasn't any, um, or there wasn't nearly the sorts of flamboyance or buffoonery, but just, you know, this is a bad dude kind of thing. So it was almost like a, a rendering of a post adolescence of so that there was character. A clear cut between good and evil. Definitely. And there was also working into the picture a sort of love triangle that uh, Zarabi and Mufasa, um, you know, who are the parents of Simba, that uh, Scar had eyes for Zarabi and was rebuffed or, or whatever you would say. So that well, worked okay, its way so in the story. At your encouragement, I went because I thought I wanted to be prepared to have this discussion with you. So. Be prepared. Okay, thank you. Anyway, <laughs> so. <laughs> Here's a couple of quick thoughts on this because we have other topics. And but um, so what? First of all, I want to tell you because of your inspiration in the seminary, I enjoyed the first one better. Maybe it's because yeah. it was. I thought the music was better, but here's the humor was better. I thought this one was darker and not as. That first one they had a light touch. These these movies make it when there's a light touch, you know. And so and one of them Rafiki, I thought they they diminished his his role in there about being the conscience or that role of conscience in there or whatever. But yeah. having said all that. 
I enjoyed it. It, mm-hmm. it, was, it was good to... Yeah, to go I, I, I thought that the, the dialogue between Timon and Pumbaa seemed rather flat, you know, and I, I don't know if it would have been good to try to remake that too exactly, but another interesting thing added in this live-action version was a little bit more of the backstory about how Nala uh, went out to find Simba, that that was a perilous sort of thing, and it was interesting the minutes that they spent in that scene of, of her kind of hatching the plot and the other lionesses saying, no, don't dare and, and all the rest of it. So, you know, those are some of the things that were added to it. For somebody who didn't have an experience of it the first time around, I mean, it's it's a wonderful story, so definitely uh, go and see it. I'm sure in a lot of theaters it's still running, if not in the uh, second releases, perhaps by now. So, that's my quick take. Awesome. Very good. We have someone on the phone here, and uh, it is someone we've spoken with before. Francis, Francis is calling from Pizek. Welcome to Real Presence Live. No, thank you. You have a question for us today. Uh, yeah, I mean, you're talking about movies right now, but a few years, or a few weeks back, uh, we had a reading or the gospel. I can't remember which it was. Mm-hmm. Um, it was pertaining to the birth of uh, Mar- or Mary was given birth. Yes. And, um, what was I going to say? It was kind of like a joyful, happy movie starting, and then in the middle. You got this horror flick coming in with this dragon with the ten horns and yeah. ready to devour the baby, and it ended with a joyful, happy thing. But mm-hmm. what, what did this dragon and all this have to do with with it? You know, it's kind right, of right, right. Um, and and if memory serves, that was the first reading for the uh, Holy Day of Obligation last week for the Assumption from Chapter Twelve okay. of the Book of Revelation, and the images of a woman who is about to give birth who is given refuge, and how this dragon is roaming and patrolling the earth, trying to devour the child who is to be born, and the protection that's given. I guess the very first thing I would say is that, and I I don't know how helpful this is necessarily, but um, the book of Revelation is a different sort of literature, a different sort of literary form than most other parts of the Bible. As apocalyptic literature, it speaks of things which are symbolic of other things things. And that can be difficult, I think, for a lot of us in our common um, habits to to get used to, because it's not a straight-up narrative like, uh, you know, the books of Samuel or the the Gospels. And so I think it helps if a person is keeping that idea in the back of their mind, especially with, um, you know, the reference to, it can be reference of the Blessed Virgin Mary, certainly is reference of the church, you know, bringing souls to uh, to birth in Christ and various things like that. But yeah, any specific thoughts about the dragon and, yeah, and so, the, the setting there, Father? Yeah, you set that up very well. And so these different uh, types of liter- literary expressions, but then at the heart of it, we know in faith that the Holy Spirit is using that to inspire and communicate to us what, what, what God wants us to know or understand. So you can you can look there at this particular reading. And uh, so, for example, the woman, just as Father Gross said, can be the church, can be the Blessed Mother. That's obviously why the church is associating it with the reading on the Assumption, because mm-hmm. it's, it's directly towards the Blessed Mother. You hear in there there's a theme of water, and so there we get baptism, these children being brought into eternal life through this woman, the church, the Blessed Mother. Well, Satan, he never gives up, and he's there like the dragon, wanting to consume or to destroy, to not leave the church alone, so always harassing and so forth. 
Now, one of the things, um, there's a lot of people who have written about this, and if you go in there, you, uh, Francis, you asked specifically about the ten horns, the dragon with the ten horns. So they, they go in there and they say, well, the, the, and this is where the famous number 666 shows up, and they say, well, the Jews use these numbers to speak um, about particular things. So that number 666 specifically was directed at Nero, who was the Roman emperor at that time. If you, you take those numbers, it's his name, Nero, is what comes out. So they're saying he is like the Antichrist. He is like the enemy, the dragon, who, who mm-hmm. he declared all-out war on the Christians, the ghetto there, and was, was destroying them at that time. Right. And so on the one hand, spiritually, the evil one is out to destroy the Christians, in reality, the the ruler of that time was literally killing the Christians, putting them to death. Right. And the ten horns on the dragon referred to then um, the 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 ten leaders or governors who came after him. That there, there was this period of persecution for the Christians that, that covered that time. And so the the dragon is Satan. He's behind all the evil. You have the leader Nero, and then you have all his minions who come and are constantly persecuting those Christians or trying to put yeah. them to death. Okay, that's that's time specific, but then we can apply it spiritually in our own lives where, okay, as Christians, are we being faithful? What are the things in the world that are attacking us as Christians? Like right now, as we sit here, there's Christians being persecuted, put to death all over the world. Mm-hmm. So that in a certain way, this still continues until the day yeah. of final judgment. And I'm also mindful quickly of something later on in the book of Revelation where there is a beast, you know, who has the mark of the beast with seven heads and crowns on each of those heads. And the number seven is believed to rep- to conspire to um, correspond to the seven hills in the city of Rome, which was the place of, uh, you know, the place of such torment and persecution being carried out against Christians. So we ought not to make the mistake, as many people do who are self-proclaimed biblical prophecy experts, of claiming that, you know... um, the church is the the Rome, you know, so that's being uh, that you know that that's being criticized so so severely. But it is the secular leadership that's trying to uh, trying to thwart the the faith. You know, and I think so, Francis. What, it, what too, I really want to commend you on this that you're paying attention to this or bringing this up. And what this really calls to mind is Scripture is so powerful, important, and oftentimes when we, we look there, it, it's always a both and thing. It's like Yes, here's the word. The word can be literal. It can be figurative. It can be, it's usually all encompassing. We have all these layers of meaning. It's such a rich source of inspiration and, and a call to relationship with God. So, yeah. yeah, and it can be very challenging all at the same time. Right. Well, thank you very much uh, for that question and enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you, Appreciate Francis. It. Thanks for listening. Okay, so Father Gross, there's a couple things have come in on text, okay? One of them was uh, Jackie from Fargo. And she says, I think we both know Jackie. Yes. But she says she was so inspired during the prayer time because uh, she was saying she doesn't know if that intention was for them about selling the house, but she and her husband are, are in the midst right now of trying to sell their house. And she said she felt totally covered and inspired by the prayer that went out over the air and it felt like they were they were part of something. Instant uh, feedback. Bigger. I yep. love that. Okay. And then <laughs> Thank um, you. Okay. So then a couple of questions have come in as well. Let's let's try this one. This one is from Robert. Okay. So here we go. Put on in the old sacramental one hundred one theology good. hat. Here we go. What are the requirements for receiving the anointing of the sick? I know you can receive it for things like pneumonia or terminal cancer, 
But how about things like chronic back pain or allergies? What, what are the rules with anointing of the sick? Well, we can answer that in a couple of different ways. First of all, who is eligible to be a recipient of anointing of the sick? A um, baptized Catholic at or above the age of reason, you know, typically is what we say. And the, the rites of anointing of the sick includes prayers that are also tailored toward children or young people and not necessarily toward the end of one's life. The traditional name that had been attributed to the sacrament, extreme unction, uh, a lot of people took to mean extreme, so I have to be right on death's door before I could even think of receiving this. The church is trying to find a middle way where we don't want to um, entertain people's scruples with regard to an anointing of the sick to consider it like as some sort of like magical or something like that, but not to be so restrictive that one cannot rightfully ask for it. So some of the things that I like to just recommend to people is I've is if you are at an advanced age, if you have a chronic, a serious medical condition, or if you are preparing for some sort of a surgery, especially something where you would be under anesthesia and, and things like that. So it can be a um, a proactive sort of sort of thing, you know, in those cases too. Um, and I, what I try to do is on a public basis, uh, at least twice a year or so, I try to have anointing of the sick uh, following a certain masses as a way of saying, well, this doesn't just has to happen in the privacy of one's own home or in a hospital room, but it's not as though a person should think, okay, it's it's kind of like your manicure or pedicure, you're every, you know, coming right. to get an anointing either, you know what I'm saying? So somewhere in the middle is kind of what I would, would strive for. And, you know, if, if a person is of an advanced age where pneumonia can be a really dangerous thing or, you know, um, other severe pain, uh, I would say, you know, rather than not to, I definitely confer the sacrament. So so here's some things, and we want to make a distinction between like sacraments and sacramentals, which both are very important. Those sacramentals lead to the sacraments and, and there's so, and the great thing about being Catholic is we have everything, you know, so, and it's, well, what do you use in what situation? So here's some particular things for listeners to think about and work through that Father Gross and I would have to discern if we were asked about this. So the first thing is what he's encouraging, like, I think there's this idea, especially in the elderly population, if you call for the priest, it means somebody's dying. Mm-hmm. Don't, well, first of all, if somebody is dying, call the priest. Right. Okay. But second, don't wait till you're dying before yeah. you call the priest. And we don't mean to scare you by showing up to right. offer anointing because exactly. it doesn't mean that we know something you don't, right. like, exactly. you know, the Grim Reaper's yeah. two steps behind me or okay, something. Okay. So then the other yeah. thing about this sacrament is it's both healing the body and the soul. And because of that, it's, it, it also is, it has to do with forgiveness of sins. Now, part of the right is to ask the person if they're in need of the sacrament of confession to go. Yes. Sometimes they're not able to respond, and so you can't. But, okay, so that's why they, like a lot of people say, Father, my, my child is sick. My two-year-old child is sick. Here, come and anoint him. And there's kind of this, for me as a priest, is always like the sorrow, like, well, technically I can't anoint your child because he's not the age of reason. Well, why do they have to be the age of reason? Well, this has to do with forgiveness of sins. So we'd say at that point, the two-year-old child is not responsible, personally responsible for any sins. First of all, make sure they're baptized. If they are baptized, okay. But that that's the one we can say. However, even if I, I'm by canon law, I'm not allowed to do anointing of the sick for a two-year-old child, we still are Christian. And so we can still lay hands on, we still can invoke the Holy Spirit. We can ask the Holy Spirit to come and pray. And, and even, and I bet 
two Father Gross, I have, I have all kinds of stories to share about things that happen, just being a priest, interceding, laying hands on, invoking the Holy Spirit in those situations where you can't technically do anointing. But there, And this is where the faith of the believers, we come together in faith, we call on the Holy Spirit. So like like so the sacrament of anointing is one thing but the the prayer for sick interceding for the sick and all there's this whole right. host of things and i think as catholics sometimes i don't know that we do a good job of using the the grace the the things that are available at our fingertips for the health of the body of right. christ mm -hmm. the sacrament of anointing of the sick is a part is one piece of what we would call uh, last rites and if a person is of that uh, you know serious condition to receive last rites and let's say they rebound well then you can certainly receive it again it's not as though we would be restrictive in that in that case so thanks so much for that question and we still are looking forward to hearing from you we have a few minutes left in this segment Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two is the number. You can also uh, bring us your questions on our Facebook page on Real Presence Radio. That number again is eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. Okay, here, here's another question that has come in on uh, through uh, uh, the phone, uh, not on air, but on through texting. Okay, okay. So here, here's a question. I'll, I'll let us have it here, and then we can discuss this one. Um, what does it mean in the Benedictus? Sorry, in the Benedictus prayer, when mm -hmm. Zechariah talks about John, and he specifically says, You, my child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his way, to give his people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of sins. So specifically, what does it mean that John prepares Jesus' way by the forgiveness of sins? Did John in any way have the ability to forgive sins? Mm -hmm. The uh, baptism that John the Baptist was offering, he said, was for the forgiveness of sins as a means of moving people's hearts, um, uh, animating their consciences so that they would indeed be able to receive the fullness of the graces of the Son of God upon his coming. When it comes to the uh, language of Zechariah in that uh, canticle in chapter 1 of the Gospel of Luke, uh, there are a lot of references that go directly back to, I would say, Isaiah chapter 40 and talking about how um, a prophet would come along to prepare the way of the Lord and to make straight his paths. So that's some of the very same language that's being employed there. John the Baptist is, in a certain sense, a bridge between that time of the Old Testament and the prophecies and the time of Christ as the forerunner of the Lord who directs people to conversion of heart as the means of embracing that encounter with the Lord. Very good. The, uh, our number 877-795-0122. Please call in with your questions or concerns at this time. And then, and then uh, here's something that helps me because, you know, as a seminarian theologian, as a priest, I've often gone to that place and what's going on here, Lord, you know, kind of thing. And the, the thing that kind of gave me a little breakthrough to help understand was, you know, we, we talk about the spiritual life. There's the you have the natural life and the supernatural life, right? So when we say natural life, we mean the fact that Father Gross and I are, we're human beings. We're not angels and we're not animals. So to be natural means, what does it mean? We're a rational being with freedom and will. Supernatural would be angelic or divine. Those are, they're, they're super, so they're above natural, right? So what John is doing there, and th I was thinking of it as, is water cleanses, it washes, right? So what John is doing is a natural forgiveness of sins. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like right now, if I reach across and I hurt Father Gross, 
there, there's a natural justice that's demanded that that I would go to Father Gross and I would make amends for any harm that I've caused him or done to him, and, and there's a demand of justice mm-hmm. that needs to be met there right. on a natural level, and then so when Jesus comes though, the thing that's different between Jesus and John. John does not have the ability to apply the divine spirit, the Holy Spirit, to that natural act of healing or forgiveness. Jesus does. And, and so, so there's a natural forgiveness and a supernatural forgiveness. John's preparing. He's getting our natural stuff in order so that when the supernatural comes, we can actually receive, or there's room to receive that Holy Spirit. Yeah, just to tie a bow on this, uh, John the Baptist calls for the external ritual to have internal meaning. Remember that passage from chapter 3 in the Gospel of Luke where a group of Pharisees are coming, and instead of saying, hey, I'm glad you showed up, come on in, get in line, he's saying, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath, etc. So why, why is John the Baptist chewing them out? Because they are wanting to be opportunists. They are wanting to be seen as doing something that is the latest religious fad and they have no intention of examination of heart as happened so many times you know when the pharisees were confronting jesus and they were so quick to criticize others for their failures with regard to observance of the law but were not going to hold themselves accountable to anything dead men's tombs they were dead in the heart they were like whitewashed tombs that's right yes yes so we have a caller here on the phone josh is calling in from jamestown thank you for calling into straight talk and welcome to real presence live thank you for your for your time absolutely my question my question for you as i actually know both of you um I am an engaged man, and on the question of NFP, I am nervous about the idea of the everyday life that would keep you away from um, wanting to have kids. How do you properly discern like when to have kids that's something that is kind of a mystery at least to me and my fiance we want to be open to life at all times so then why does the church seem to really like to push nfp um i hope that makes sense okay josh it would help us could you in a a quick nutshell just talk to us about the nervous part What's the nervous? What's the thing specifically that makes you nervous? Being out of control, or not being able to conceive, or conceiving when you don't want to? What's the thing that makes you nervous? Um, not discerning whether or not we're supposed to have the kid, uh, a kid, right? I want to, I want to have as many kids as possible, but that's that's my own want. How how do I? Um, okay. I, and I don't want it to just be. God doesn't let me have kids by okay. the physical realm. I as want many kids as God heart. wants you to I, have. I, yeah. I think I can help you with this one. Okay, so we're, you know, we, we, we throw that term around NFP. It stands for natural family planning. I want to focus a minute on the natural part of it. What, what, what's so beautiful about this is, so Josh, if you just think about your life right now, if you go back from this moment back across your whole life and you look there and examine take the sexual part out of it, but just think of your life, things where um, you, you were worried maybe about friends or you were worried about being successful in tests in school or, or s- sports achievements or, I mean, think about like kind of anything. 
and in your relationship with God and you were asking for things or you were worried you weren't going to get the thing that you wanted or you were worried it was going to be too much for you, right? But in a natural way, you related to God, you related to your parents, you related to your siblings, you related to your friends. And if you think about those situations, you it always happened at, at the right moment, the right time. You knew when to say yes. You knew when to say no. You knew when to try harder. You knew when to back off. Okay? That's your natural life. Mm-hmm. You and, and, and if you look back right now, you're like, oh, the Lord was always there. My family was always there. And... It always worked out. It came so. Okay, now let's look forward. If you take that confidence that you have from looking back on your past, you'll realize. Okay, as we're sitting here right now, you probably don't have the ability to know. Oh gosh, how many children should we have, or what's going on there? Well, one, you're not married, so you don't have the grace of marriage. Okay, but the other thing is, when you're there in the moment and you're with your spouse and God is with you and you're invoking God and you're actively pursuing her and that cycle is no longer her cycle but yours and you're doing it together you're going to know it's it's very similar I was just recently working with a family whose loved one was dying and they had this big question you know do we put a feeding tube in or if we put a feeding tube in how do we know when to take it out I mean these really really big important questions and kind of, they really hash, it was really beautiful to be with them as they're processing, working it through. But then there came this moment where I just turned to them and I said, you know, this is one of those situations where at the moment, you know, you know when the moment is like, yes, we commit, or at this moment, we say no. Because there's grace and it's a real living thing. And so I'm focusing on the natural part of NFP, where if you do in something that's not natural, like artificial, all it does, it makes mm-hmm. you sterile. It, it, it gives you this illusion of being in control, but you really aren't in control. And it actually dominates your life, and you end up serving the artificial thing. Where, where this thing, in this natural life of complementarity between the man and the woman, working it out day by day with the Lord, you have grace of the moment. And the image that's coming to my mind right now is the man in the desert. If, if they were worried and they tried to take more manna than the, what they needed because they didn't think there would be enough, it, it always rotted on them and they didn't have it for the future. If they trusted the Lord, he always gave them exactly what they needed, when they needed, in the amount that they needed, never too little, never too much. And, and, and so that's a real image that is given to us about our sexuality. If you allow God, he will be there with you. He'll, he'll never give you too much. It'll never be too little. It's going to be exactly what's there and learning to thank and praise the Lord for the amount that's there. Mm-hmm. So, and, and that's what I've just described to you is called the life of faith, where we live by faith, not by what we can control with our own hands. And the lifestyle of natural family planning is something that needs to be fortified with that prayer, that trust in God and that trust in one another, that uh, communication in order to recognize the gifts that uh, God gives in the manner in which they give them so that if uh, you're... um, you know, if one's wife, if one's fiance's cycle is different, then one may, you know, may understand that the certified instructors of NFP can help, you know, nail those things down. And then you can go from that um, data, you might say, to, uh, to, to, to that more spiritual approach. Josh, I want to I give you a word of uh, encouragement here in that I am, I'm so proud of you 
first of all that you're you're asking the right questions it, it's not easy and it is hard but the thing is we we have such a lack of real men out there who are willing to actually ask the questions who are willing to actually relate to their their fiancés or their spouses in a real way to be real christian men who bear this and, and are with it with their wives in it bearing it with them instead of trying to avoid or go around it um there's so you know if you can take this thing and be real with your fiance in this thing there's going to be other real difficult things that come up in your life as well i just i want to commend you amen to that asking the question and being open to considering it Mm -hmm. And uh, I second that. Uh, good on you. Thank you for that call. And thanks to all who called or wrote in with their questions. This segment is on at 930 Central Time every Monday through Friday. We have one hour in the can. Up next in the next hour, tune in to hear about a mother's love for her son and how Mary, the mother of God, has an influence in her life. We also have the 10-minute tour coming up next hour here on Real Presence Live.